Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, it's almost week seven. How are your fantasy teams doing? Pretty well. All in all, you know, we mentioned it, what was it, two weeks ago that we were talking about all of our teams, and my good teams look good. I mean, I, I added Gronk to that team I was talking about. Uh, I traded Allen Robinson and my first, I mean, I think, I'm, and I'm trying to win it all, so hopefully it's a late one, for Gronk, which, you know, in a... In a vacuum, I probably lost, but if Gronk wins me the league this year, I'll take it. Yeah, I was just talking with a, another friend about a move kind of similar to that. He felt like he overpaid in the trade, but mm -hmm. it was one that he felt he had to do. He had been hit hard by injuries, as almost all Dynasty teams have, and he, he wanted to continue to contend this year and, and overpaid to get a couple of players who can help his lineup. And Trades that you might make in October or November are a lot different than than those you make in June or July, and that's just the nature of the beast. Right. And, and I think our, all our listeners know this by now, but that's the beauty of Dynasty is a team where I'm one and five, maybe I can get Allen Robinson in a first for Gronk. You know, I mean, there's, there's two sides to the coin. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, Matt, today we're going to take some listener questions. As always, we've got a lot of good ones. We'll try to answer them all. If we don't get them on here, we will uh, head back to Twitter and try to answer them there. But we're going to jump right in. First question comes from Rockfish. He says uh, he was offered Cook for Watson. It's a uh, dynasty league, of course. 24-man rosters, standard scoring. And he says he's shallow at both running back and quarterback. I'm taking Cook no matter this, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Absolutely, I guess. I guess the only caveat to that would be maybe a a super flex or a two quarterback league that that would certainly yeah. change things up. But assuming that's not the case, since he didn't mention it, I, I think you have to go Cook. Um, I, I love Watson. We talked about him a little bit. I think that was last week, but he's closing in on sell high territory for me. Oh, very much so for me. I I believe in him much more for fantasy than I do for reality. but And I know that he's going to stay the starter there. He's earned that. So I do think he'll continue to put up fantasy points. But I have a feeling a month from now, we're going to be looking at him like, I'm not sure if he's the answer or not for Houston as opposed to, oh, this kid's Superman. If you can get, if you can get cooked for him, oh, baby. Well, let's, let's just talk about the quarterback landscape for a moment because entering the season, uh, I think most people had a top tier of Luck, Rodgers, and maybe Russell Wilson. I know for a lot of people, including myself, maybe Winston and Mariota were starting to, to sneak into that top five based on their age and what they've shown so far in their career. 
uh, or in, into that top tier, I should say. But obviously the injury to Rodgers that we saw last week, the continued uh, shoulder issue for Luck, and he got more bad news this week. Those two guys are, are coming back to the pack. I asked this week on Twitter, who is your current quarterback one in Dynasty? I did a poll. It got over 1,000 responses or over 1,000 votes. Uh, the majority still picked Aaron Rodgers. Not, Maybe my pick. Yeah, not very many picked Andrew Luck. And, and the field was the other option. Uh, the field outvoted Andrew Luck. And a lot of people mentioned Watson as their quarterback one. A lot of people mentioned Carson Wentz wow. as their quarterback one. So it, it's it's really it's really being impacted this year by both injuries and by these breakout seasons. But if you're doing your quarterback dynasty rankings right now, I assume Aaron Rodgers is quarterback one for you. Is Luck still quarterback two? No. You didn't even mention Carr, who everyone has a bad taste in their mouth right now about, too. Right. And Newton. I don't always like his style of game, but I do for fantasy reasons. And it wasn't long ago he was in that conversation. He's playing pretty well, too. I think what's happened is the top tier has grown from somewhere between three and five, depending on what you think of those young guys, to up to eight or nine. You've got Luck and Rogers still, obviously, in the top tier even if they've dropped down some. You have Russell Wilson, who's quietly putting up some nice fantasy numbers this year. Uh, and then I don't think have, his stock's changed. I, I don't really either. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think it's fair to say that maybe Watson or Wentz or guys like that have, have jumped him, potentially. I, I think Wilson's just kind of viewed as a, a boring fantasy option. People are okay if they have him on their roster, but he's not – a guy they they might necessarily be chasing. So uh, a lot of times guys like that can be, can be acquired maybe cheaper than they should be. Like good point. I, I think if you're trying to trade for a quarterback right now, I think Deshaun Watson costs you more than Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Wilson. Right. But I think you're right. Yeah. Of those young guys though, I would overspend, I would overspend for Wentz. I'm smitten with them. I think he's going to be a great player for a very long time. I think the Eagles have a stud. Uh, I'm a big Wentz guy. He'd be really high on my list. Okay. Maybe over Luck. Okay. So so the top tier in some order, though, is Luck, Wilson, Rodgers, uh, the young guys, Jameis, um, Mariota, Wentz, Carr, Watson. Dak? Dak is certainly in there, I think. Cam Newton is still in there. Okay. Uh, so that's, I don't know, that's eight or nine guys. And then you've still got uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, you still have, of course, Breeze and Brady, who are, are really tough to evaluate from a dynasty perspective, uh, along with some of these other guys. And and then you drop down to Stafford and Ryan, who, you know, they're, they're no slouches by any means. So um, Yeah, maybe we're a little hard on Stafford and Ryan. Yeah, quarterback has really never been deeper than, than maybe it is right now. And you got the Ben Eli Rivers tier. Yeah, that that tier's not looking very good right now. <laughs> no, you know, even like Tyrod puts up numbers, right? But he's like, you know, and I don't know where I'd throw Goff in that conversation. Oh yeah, you've got Goff. You've got the other rookies um, mm-hmm. who still have. Like I put him ahead of Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have Goff than than that Ben Eli Rivers group for sure. You'd rather Ryan or Stafford, though. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Those guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. those guys have almost definitely overbanked. Those guys have almost no fantasy value at this point. 
right between between the age and uh, Rivers has been has been fine fantasy wise, but yeah, Ben and Ben and Eli are tough to start on a weekly basis. Yes, agree. All right, so Rockfish definitely take Cook. As much as we're impressed by Watson, you got oh. got to take Cook in that deal. Next question. Oh, run to the run to the podium yeah, for that one. Yeah. Next question comes from Chris. He says, "Why is draft pedigree so heavily relied on as whether a player is good or not in the dynasty community?" Uh, I get that numbers favor it, but there are so many studs that have no draft pedigree rather than players that continue to bust. So he mentions Antonio Brown, Antonio Gates, uh, Brady Diggs, Foster, um, some guys who either weren't drafted at all or were late draft picks and, of course, went on to have impact careers, to say the least. Uh, I mean, to me, it's it's just another data point. And until we see these guys on the field – in the NFL, um, it, it's it's just something that we can use to analyze how the NFL views these players. Um, and, and when a player is getting passed round after round and they're falling to the fifth or sixth or seventh round or they're going undrafted as, as Gates did and as Aaron Foster did and so many others that have come to have dynasty value – we have to take what the what the NFL is telling us. I know I know you have some thoughts on this that you share every draft season, and of course you have a unique perspective with your past career with the Browns. So go ahead and share your thoughts on this. Yeah, and, and certainly you need to be aware of those guys when a, a Gates or a Brown or a Arian Foster starts to emerge in their career. I mean, and. We'll help you with that, and Ryan's great with that, with learning, a, boy, these guys are starting to get more reps, and they're starting to get bigger and bigger and invo- more and more involved. But as good as any of us are as analysts, we don't know these players as well as the people picking them. <laughs> you know, I mean, they pay people well to go year after year into Auburn and Bama and learn everything they possibly can about these guys and how they fit in their system, and they – you know, devy up serious draft capital for guys that they're very high on. Uh, I think sometimes you got to just admit that that's a great indicator because these guys know way more than we do, but you can't also be blind to the Ajayi for injury reasons, Mixon for off the field reasons that are probably first round picks, but why did they fall? Yeah. And, and there's, there's reasons for, for all of those falls. And sometimes it's something that the player has done, whether it's an off field issue or, or maybe just something that scouts have seen on the field that they didn't like or didn't trust. And sometimes it's just a a lack of exposure. It's hard even for an NFL team to, to scout all these players. I mean, especially when you're talking about these lower levels of, of college football, and there are plenty of guys who just fall through the cracks and, you know, when you're talking about Brady, I mean, the Michigan quarterback does not fall through the cracks. The the tennis, University of Tennessee running back, which was Aaron Foster years ago, doesn't mm-hmm. fall through the cracks. Those are just players that the NFL missed on and that dynasty players missed on. But I, I do think you're going to have more, more examples of players who hit, and this is kind of an obvious statement, you're going to have more examples of players who hit who were early draft picks than vice versa. So – Draft pedigree is, I think, an important data point, at least until we have uh, some evidence on the field in the NFL. No doubt. And how many quarterbacks drafted around 199th overall end up going on to be starters, let alone 
dynasty assets, let alone Hall of Famers. Right. I mean, Brady. But, I mean, these are some anomalies. Sure, exactly. They're, Brady. Antonio Gates can play college football. Yeah, these these guys are outliers. And um, yeah, if you hit on those guys and you pick them in the last round of your rookie draft years and years ago, or you grabbed them off the waiver wire, you know, pound your chest about that. You basically, you got lucky and uh, your, your teams have been benefiting ever since then. Absolutely. Next question comes. One, one, one more note on that. I want to mention, sure. you know, a guy like Kareem hunt, you can't look at him and say, boy, he was a third round pick. You know, I think you have to look, realize that because this was such a good running back draft, he's probably a second rounder most years that went in the third round. You know, so I think you have to know the, the position depth and talent of running backs, wide receivers as well for each class. That's a good point. And that's something that gets lost over the years as we look back and just think about the individual draft position. Our next question comes from Chance. Uh, he says he's trying to sell Doug Martin and Adrian Peterson. He's a non-contender, but he's getting low ball offers. Do you unload those guys at a discount or do you just hold? Matt, what would you do? Um, one more day from Peterson could really go a long way, I think. You know, I mean, I think it's easy to say his stock obviously changed from the last time you and I had a, had a conversation last week. Certainly went up for a contender. But if he does it one more time because of his background, maybe you can turn him into a second-round pick or a young wide out or something along those lines. I guess it's similar with Martin. I mean, don't give these guys away if that's if that's what you're asking. You know, I mean, you can't give them away, of course. But I, I think they're going to have continued value as the season goes on. Yeah, I I agree, especially about Martin uh, Peterson. Seems mm-hmm. I would be more anxious to sell him. I think he he feels like a more urgent uh, sell high after that big game. I know he's got a. a fairly running back friendly schedule coming up over the next two or three weeks. So if you're on a massive uh, rebuild and you have Peterson, you pick them up for nothing. You're not dumping them for a third though. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade either one of those guys for a third. Certainly not Martin. Certainly not Martin. I think in a a second, I think is the target for Peterson for Martin. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can get a first, but maybe, maybe Martin in a second for a first, something like that. Uh, or a, a lot of two seconds, right? A lot of times, I think the the easier play is to target a player, a young player that you like as a rebuilder, rather than always going for picks. Yeah, the, the obvious rebuilding move is get as many picks as you can. But if you can, if you can buy that rookie who's doing nothing, Josh Dotson. Yeah, I, I mean, I would. I'm not. I'm not endorsing the Josh Do- Dotson vibe. <laughs> Right. But the general idea, you know, uh, if you if you love Chris Godwin coming out and he's barely stepped on the field, then, yeah, go by Chris Godwin for Adrian Peterson. I, I'm all for that. Taewon Taylor, same thing. And, yeah. If it, and you probably can get a third with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to, to give some people a frame of reference, I mentioned that league where I traded Robinson in a one for Gronk. And I pulled up my history, and I knew I had that deal pretty much simmering. So I traded Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, not that Vernon Davis has a lot of uh, value, but he's kind of ties in with Reed and my second for Martin and ASJ, which looking back on it, that was two weeks ago 
I think I crushed in the deal now because ASJ's stock has gone up considerably. Yeah. So I traded basically Reed in a second for Martin and ASJ. Yeah, Reed is uh, gosh, Reed's tough. I was a contender. Reed's tough to value right now. He's his. I don't want him. No, I don't want him either. I traded. I also traded Reed. Um, this was one of those deals where people responded, and some thought I really got over on my trade partner, and some thought I, I gave up too quickly on Reed. But I traded Reed for Injoku and a third rounder. I love that. Yeah, so I'm 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 satisfied with that. I, I just want I want out of the Reed business and out of the Tyler Eifert business. That one's harder to do with him out for the year. But uh, I assume you had some sort of tight end that's startable in the meantime. Yeah, I had I have Gronk as well. So that was great. Yeah. Um, we talked about the like a startup. I'm taking the Joku ahead of Jordan Reed. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. We talked about the kind of the changing landscape at the quarterback position. Tight end is dealing with the same thing with injuries to Eifert and Greg Olson. Um, Jordan Reed has, has been injured himself this year. Again, Kelsey and Gronk remain at the top, but that second tier is really, really getting jumbled. The big risers have to be Ertz and Ingram though, right? Yeah. I think Ertz and Ingram have to be tight end three and tight end four at this point. I, I don't think, yeah. I don't really think you can make an argument for anyone else. I like Henry, but he would be fifth on my list of those guys we talked about. Yeah, I mean, I, I like a lot. I like Henry as a buy low. I like, uh, I don't know if I would call Njoku a buy low, but I, I definitely still like him. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys in that next year I, I still like and I still value. But um, to me, it's the top two with, with Gronk and Kelsey and then the next two, Ertz and uh, Evan Ingram and, and then everybody else. Yeah, sounds right. All right, let me take a minute to talk to our friend, tell you more about our friends at Loot Crate. If you've listened to us, you know they've been with us for a long time. They are fantastic. Every month something comes to your door and you run out there and you grab it and you're thrilled when you open it up. It's great friend, great stuff. So be the envy of your friends and get 100% exclusive crates at lootcrate.com slash Dynasty Blueprint. Enter our code Dynasty Blueprint and you will save a couple bucks off an already cheap subscription. Uh, October's Loot Crate theme is mythical. So if you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, Loot Crate has it. It's the best surprise you know is coming. Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than 20 bucks a month, even cheaper than that when you use our code. If you're more of a f- fanatical fashionata, then try Loot Wear, which are monthly wearables and accessories with cult classics and your favorite franchises. If you want to get fancy, get a bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. Want to geek out your pet? Try Loot Pets. Uh, you hear the stories, the whispers of creatures and beings being beyond imagination. Join us as we peer into the shadows and look into other realms for October's truly mythical collection. Get unreal items from Marvel, Ghostbusters, Stranger Things, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. One lucky subscriber will also win a mega crate of seriously epic proportions. So this is what you do. You go to lootcrate.com slash dynastyblueprint, enter our code dynastyblueprint, and you will save a couple bucks of an already cheap subscription. Matt, our next question comes from Justin. He says, do you change the way you manage a team depending on the stakes? For example, would you take more chances in low stakes since the money isn't isn't really significant? I don't think I really, I mean, I don't play in any leagues that would be considered high stakes as far as like the FFPC or anything like that. So maybe I'm not the right person to ask. All of my leagues are between 
I don't know, probably 25 bucks and a hundred dollar buy-in. So uh, I'm not, I don't have a ton of money on the line with any of these leagues, but I don't, I don't really think about what's at stake as far as the money in any of those, whether it's a low dollar league with, with friends versus the leagues that are, are the, a little bit more expensive with maybe guys, uh, you know, guys from Twitter or anything like that. I, it's just not something that comes into my mind. Now, if I'm playing an FFPC and there's a thousand dollar entry or even, even higher than that, then yeah, I think it would always be at the back of my mind. I mean, that's, that's part of gambling, which you could say is, is essentially what we're doing here. I, I don't know. What do you think? I think if you let the stakes influence your decisions as a dynasty owner, you're not as good of a dynasty owner then. You know, I, I think you still make the same decisions if it's a $50 league or a $1,000 league. And that's all relative, too. I mean, if you make fifty grand a year as opposed to making $5 million a year, what's a $1,000 league to you? <laughs> you know? I mean, sure. it's it all depends what's in your bank account. However, if times are tough, and the wife's like, we're in debt and we got to pay some bills. Maybe you go trade for Adrian Peterson when you wouldn't have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe you live for today to try to get the big check now. Yeah, that's that's a rough spot to be. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> I, I don't know. It does make me think about, because I have endorsed and, and suggested the productive struggle where for year two and beyond, you, you essentially give up year one, you punt. If I've got a thousand dollars on the line or five hundred dollars on the line, it's a lot harder to follow through with that and and basically give up that money with no chance of winning anything in that first year. I, I think in that way it would uh, it would alter my strategy a little bit. But it doesn't. I don't think that's right though. Like I, I'm sure we're all human, and I think that we probably would not want to go two and fourteen for a year and get. Barkley in the first round and then all of a sudden be like, yeah, now, now how you like me now and win three of the next four years and lose a grand right off the bat. And maybe in, and maybe you could even ride the fence a little more in that situation where it's like, I'm going young, I'm trading down, I'm getting picks. And then in the eighth round rolls around, it's like, I kind of like Larry Fitzgerald, <laughs> you know, well, if, but, it, but it still screws you up and then you don't productively struggle. I don't know though. If I, I think a lot of that has to do with, how you're viewing your strategy. So I, I love productive struggle. I'm, I'm okay with losing in year one. I know a lot of people would, would not be okay with that. And I understand that, but I'm okay giving up that first year because I think it leads, it leaves me in a good spot year two and beyond. But I also recognize that's not the only way to win. True. So if the stakes are higher then maybe I, maybe I choose that other path where I have a chance to win in year one year two, and, and then maybe make some tough decisions down the road. But are you trading future first? No, I don't, I don't think I could ever do that. <laughs> Not, right. And like a startup draft, right. you're moving a future first to move up two rounds or something. No. I can't no, be that guy. No, I can't be that guy. Right. I don't No, I don't think I would either. And it, definitely an interesting question, though. Uh, next one comes from Jonathan. However, wait, real quick, yeah. 12-team league, we all throw in a grand. And I spend, you know, pretty heavy in the in the startup draft. And I have a powerhouse for today. It looks like a redraft team. I win, and therefore I just made eleven thousand dollars. That gives me eleven years to rebuild. 
before I break even. Yeah. It's not, that's not a bad way to think about it for sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. But I better win. Yeah. If you're coming second, then, <laughs> then you're in trouble. Right. If you don't win, then you're, you're really facing some tough, tough calls. Next question from Jonathan. He wants to know about Mike Evans. He says, Mike Evans isn't really being Mike Evans this year. Is there a concern? Would you move him? Uh, as of right now, Demarius Thomas plus what gets you Evans or equals Evans? And he suggests maybe the 1.01 rookie pick. I mean, I think we all expected some regression from Mike Evans, both in targets and overall production with uh, the addition of Deshaun Jackson there. And the uh, OJ Howard, I wouldn't say, has made a big impact or really affected Evans' numbers, but they made some moves this offseason to improve the offense and to make it a more well-rounded offense. So I don't think this is necessarily surprising at all, and uh, I'm I'm not scared off of Evans personally. No, I mean, big picture, having this guy on my dynasty team makes me very, very happy. I mean, he's got a quarterback. He's a a touchdown machine. He's very young. He's in a good situation. It's a bit of a rough patch, but so be it. I mean, for me to go, you know, for for you to offer me Demarius and question mark to pry Evans away from me, an unknown first round pick isn't going to do it. No, no, I don't think so either. Jonathan, I knew it was going to be an early one, maybe. Right. Jonathan suggests the 1.01 pick. So if it's Demarius Thomas and Saquon Ooh. Barkley, are you, I'll take it. You'll take that. Oh, wow. All right. See, I don't know if we've had this conversation, but the little I've seen Barkley, I think he's the best running back prospect I've ever seen. I, I've been working on an article for DLF that, um, and of course I do a lot of work with ADP uh, from month to month. I'm I'm going to write an article, and I've done this the past couple of years, where I try to project the following year's ADP. And um, as I've been working on that, deciding where to put Saquon Barkley has has been a fun challenge. Um, oh, I bet. And I think I think he's going to be pretty high. Um, I mean, if like I might rather have him than Zeke. I know that sounds insane, but it it does kind of sound insane, but I. <laughs> he said you wouldn't you wouldn't be alone for sure uh, i mean i think if you're playing in a devi league he's already he's valued with those guys he's valued essentially in the top tier of running backs already that makes sense yeah, he still has a lot to prove of course uh, on the nfl level and who knows what he even plays for right um, <laughs> i mean personally i would still want more for evans the one one and, and demarius i would still side with evans there Next question from Steven. In leagues with 0.25 points per carry, so a quarter point per carry, one PPR, super flex, and tight end premium, does this level the playing field between positions regarding trades and roster construction? This is all up your alley, bro. Uh, yeah, this is this is up my alley. I, I tried to I tried to <laughs> like it's this. like an algebra <laughs> equation. I, I tried to do this with kitchen sink, essentially give give the running back, the quarterback, and the tight end some added value to catch up to the value that the dynasty owners already give to wide receivers. Uh, and I think, I think it's worked pretty well. And one thing that tells me it works is that you see some trades in those kitchen sink leagues that you might not see in other spots, uh, in other leagues, as far as uh, a tight end being traded for a wide receiver and, and a quarterback for, a stud running back, things like that. 
Um, now, in, in those leagues, we don't use the quarter point per carry. And uh, we, we do use everything else, super flex, tight end premium. Uh, so if I were starting those all over again and I could change some things, I would add the quarter point per carry. So I like that. And I would also make the tight end premium piece a start to tight end rather than the, the 1.5 PPR. So when you hear tight end premium, that's what it usually refers to is additional uh, points per reception, one and a half versus one for everybody else. But I think the tight end premium that has the bigger impact is being required to start two every week. Matt, I mean, think about tight end this year. And if you had to start two every week, it would, it would be pretty ugly this season. Would it be uglier than two quarterbacks? Probably, yeah. Yeah, way uglier, I think. I mean, uh, again. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we just named the rivers of the world and that you can at least start and they'll get you points. I mean, that's better than the Jesse James of the world. Right, because every every team has a quarterback who's going to put up some points, right? I mean, even, right. even if you're talking um, Bortles or Flacco, I mean, you're still getting usually around 10 to 12 points per week. Tight end. Not every team has a tight end that's going to that's going to produce. So it, it yeah, it's it's thinner at tight end than it is at quarterback. Yeah, for sure. But to to Stephen's question in general, I think that would balance it. I would consider the start two tight end, uh, either instead of the one point five PPR or maybe even in addition to it. But other than that, I think you're you're on a good start on a good path there. But if you're starting two tight ends, I mean. Is Gronk the first pick in the draft and Kelsey a top five pick? You know what I mean? Like, that's extreme value. Yeah, well, that's what it does to the quarterback position, though. I mean, Yeah, true. A, I know. Yeah. In a super flex league, Luck and Rodgers and all these guys we've talked about are first-round picks. So, yeah. Gr- Which I think is cool because real football quarterbacks are super important. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that. I, I like the way it affects the player value within the league. Okay. Yeah. Mike says, cool. how do you see the Denver running back situation shaping up in the next few seasons? So we've seen uh, CJ Anderson kind of carry the load there in the backfield this season, uh, as he has in the past couple when he's been healthy. Uh, of course they have Jamal Charles who hasn't really made a huge impact this year. Uh, they've got Devonte Booker back from an injury. He was, uh, he looked pretty good in the, uh, in the past game last week. We'll see if that role continues for him. And then they've got the the rookie that everyone seemed to like this preseason, D'Angelo Henderson, who has not uh, not been on the field very much at all. What do you see from the Denver backfield next year and beyond? Yeah, I'm kind of proud of myself because the first week or two of the regular season, in about three of my seven leagues, I landed Booker for like a third-round pick. You know, people were so fed up with the guy. Yeah, I, I still think that he's the guy to own, especially for what they cost. He catches the ball extremely well. They need all the receiving help they can get. They seem to really like him. I don't think he's going to go past Anderson, but if Anderson happened to go down this year, I could see him being a very good producer. Of course, Charles isn't going to be in the mix for long, and they could draft someone high, I mean, and screw my whole plan up, but... I would grab Booker while he still can, and I bet he's getting a little pricier as we speak. Yeah, I'm not really a Booker fan, but I think that's pretty good advice. I definitely agree. He was one of those players that dynasty owners just wanted to get off their roster. Uh, I wrote about that a li- exactly. I wrote about that a little bit this past week in the DLF newsletter that you see these players that aren't producing, or you're frustrated that you even 
drafted them in the first place and you just want them off the off your roster you just don't want to see them anymore and a lot of times that results in you uh, taking taking maybe a bad deal or a deal you shouldn't have just just so you don't have to be reminded that you drafted those guys in the first round so yeah that's exactly what happened like one or two of my leagues i'm like hey you want a third and a fourth for booker yeah take him yeah (laughs) like no no uh, counter or anything just get him out of here as far as the backfield let's say that denver uses a a pick somewhere in the first two days on running back next year. So if I told you that, which of these running? I don't like that. Which of these do you still want Booker? Well, I, I know we don't. This is taking it a little too far, but if if it depends what kind of back they took, if they took a Anderson replacement, just early down guy, I think Booker could still be the receiving back. I think he's a really good receiver, especially for a big back. Not that he's Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson, but I could see him being two-thirds of that, you know what I mean? Like, that same style used guy, but he's not as good as them, of course. Um, if they if they drafted somebody high that was an all-around back like him, then I'd be really worried. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking if they're drafting a top yeah. three-round running back, it's probably an Anderson replacement. I think that's safe to assume. So in that right. case, are you still buying into Booker? I, I think – yeah, I mean, for what he costs right now, I'm buying. Yeah, and if you have C.J. Anderson right now, are you selling him? Yes, but he just came off a really bad game on national TV, so this specific timing is bad. And if he puts another good week or two, because I'm still a believer in him. I think he's an underrated football player, and they got to run the ball a lot. Their defense should keep him in games. So I'm not running to get rid of him. All right, here's a question from Eric specifically for you. Uh, he says, I know you're a big believer in Martavis Bryant preseason. Would a move to a new team be a plus or minus for his value? So, um, yeah, if you've list, listened to our show, um, it, it's it's been all good news for Martavis Bryant throughout the preseason, uh, throughout the offseason and the preseason. And we've all seen that that has not carried over into the regular no. season. He's he struggled. He um, he's been out of sync with with Roethlisberger. I mean, the entire offense has struggled, honestly. We, we've seen Bell and we've seen Brown both have huge games, but they're going to have huge games no matter what because they're, they're two of the top five or ten players in the league. Uh, so they're going to be able to overcome Ben struggling or the offensive line not blocking or whatever it might be. Maybe Martavis can't do that, especially with a year outside of football. So we heard the reports last last week after the – the week's games that he had requested a trade. So Matt, take it from there. What do you know? How do you see this playing out for Martavis? They're not going to trade him. And I I think that that whole scenario was embellished. I don't think he's nearly as unhappy as people think. I do think he's frustrated. You know, you got to think he's added 15 pounds, worked super hard, really in good shape and wants to be more involved. And the Steelers offense is all Brown, all Bell almost to a problem that they need to start getting other people involved. Ben's accuracy is a problem, especially on the deep ball. Him and Bryant connected on one so far against the Vikings, but probably could have had three or four more. And then none of this is a conversation. And we're talking about what a fantasy study is. I would hold tight. I would try to buy him. I absolutely don't think he's leaving Pittsburgh. 
maybe if things go down, get set, go south further, he would be moved in the offseason with one more year on his contract. But think about it now. I mean, Steelers are in it to win it. And who's going to give you a lot for Martavis Bryant, considering he was missed the whole year? I mean, he's, he's a cheap contract. He's on his rookie deal. But then all of a sudden, you know, he's more valuable to the Steelers in their uniform than whatever pick anyone would possibly give for him. The reason Juju's getting more snaps, though, is because they're smart and they realize it has to be a run-first offense, and Juju's an excellent blocker. And they like him. Sure. Our buddy Curtis Patrick, who we've had on uh, a few times, asked me today, Juju Smith-Schuster versus Martavis Bryant, who do you want in Dynasty? That It, it was a tough question to answer. Who, who would be your answer? Still Martavis. I, I think that'll be clear a month or so from now, maybe even a week from now, you know, that I think he's going to break free. But the thing is, if he gets busted smoking dope again, then he's then he's worth nothing to you. Yeah. I, I chose Juju, but it's it, it's close. Of course I've 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 been a, a Juju fan uh since his freshman year at USC. So that's that's not really a knock on Bryant, but I, I do think it's obvious their value mm-hmm. right now is going in two different directions. And, and I'm, I'm yep. definitely on board with buying low on Bryant and buying before it's too late on Juju. And I can tell you the Steelers are very high on Juju. They like him quite a bit. Uh, we got a few questions on some quarterbacks who uh, are backups or at least have been backups until recently. So I want to try to hit those really quickly. Uh, all essentially the same question. Should How should we value those guys? Should we be buying or selling? Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, who was our other one here? Um, How about Hundley and Beathard? Yes, Brett Hundley. Um, Throw Beathard in there too. I'm curious your thoughts on him. Okay, so let's, let's just think about that from a, a super flex or a two-quarterback perspective. Uh, obviously, all are gaining – well, I, I should say – Hunley's obviously gaining value. He's going to take over, and we can presume he'll be the starter going forward for the rest of this season. Uh, Garoppolo, n- nothing's really changed for him, except it's just uh, an- another week closer to potentially having a, a starting job. Yeah, you know, this, right. is, this is the same song and dance every year. Um, and, yeah, Bethard was named the starter in San Francisco, took over last week and, and had a nice productive week. And – Teddy Bridgewater, of course, got good news. He's back on the practice field and uh, looks like he will be fully cleared here in the next few weeks if everything goes well. First of all, all are certainly worth a roster spot in in Superflex. That was one of the questions. That's an easy decision. Right, that's that's the easy part. Let's start with Hunley. Uh, yes. Are we buying or selling? What do you think about Hunley? He's not, he's not supplanting Aaron Rodgers. So after this... Uh, 10 game tryout then what that's that's the real question does it become another Garoppolo type situation where fantasy owners want to see him starting somewhere else but but it's in the hands of the uh, of the team I could see that happening I mean I I do think I do think Hunley's going to have some success throughout the remainder of the year he's got an awesome supporting cast we know that Uh, I think he's way better than he looked in week six when he was thrown into the fire. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm buying Hunley and Superflex. 
especially if it's for a second round pick or later. I saw him traded for a second round pick and Trevor Simeon. I'm okay with that evaluation. But what happens this offseason? Uh, the Packers are not the type of team who really makes many trades or transactions at all. So I, I wouldn't expect that he would be traded uh, no matter how he performs. Contract's up, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's class of 15, I think. So is he class 15? I'm pretty sure his contract's up. If not, it's only a year away. I also think Brissett belongs in that conversation, too. I mean, he's starting. He's young. He's talented. He's got a roadblock coming one day. Um, I kind of look at Brissett, Bethard, and Hunley. One nice thing about them now, no matter what league you're in, they, they're they all playing. So if it is super flex, you can get away with them. They're at least going to put stats up for you. And if it's not even super flex, if your guy is out for a buy or an injury – at least you can use them. So, and and you'll learn more about them week to week because they're playing football where Bridgewater and Jimmy just are kind of stagnant. Although Bridgewater could take over at some point and you're not hearing good news about Bradford. My thoughts are, I picked up Reset two weeks ago. I picked up Bethard and Hundley in quite a few leagues this past week because I just had, I had roster space. I mean, I had some, I had like Sammy Coates still on my roster. So bye. You know, I mean, if I had spots, I just grabbed them. Would you rather have all those guys than like Jay Cutler and Joe Flacco? Pretty much all of those guys over Cutler and Flacco. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just those guys are garbage. Just to see what happens. Uh, right. Maybe Hundley goes crazy and the Packers trade him and, and he's starting for the Bills next year or the the Browns next year or Jacksonville or somebody. Right. So, I mean, it's just that maybe. We we know what we're getting from Cutler. We know what we're getting from Flacco. We know we don't want them in our starting lineup. So, yeah, give me give me all those guys we just talked about over, over Cutler, Flacco, and probably Bortles as well. <laughs> I just pulled up one of my rosters in one of my leagues, and I, I don't condone this practice because this is just a regular – Joe Blow Dynasty League. Russell Wilson's my starter. I, I was real comfortable with Bradford as a backup. Not anymore. I have Flacco and Cutler, who I built, I picked Cutler up for nothing way back when. And I also have Brissett, Hundley, and Bether. You know, like, you don't really need seven quarterbacks when <laughs> six of them aren't good. <laughs> but I just, the league, there was nobody else I wanted. You know I mean? Like, I'd much rather have those assets and wide receivers and running backs, but there wasn't anybody to put on them. So, I picked up Bethard and cut somebody who stunk. And then when the when the offseason rolls around, you'll cut all those guys and take a shot on some running backs or wide receivers. Or maybe trade one of them, or I don't know, you know. Yeah. Cutler might not even be on my final roster. Next question comes from AJC Dynasty. How do we approach running backs in Dynasty? It feels like, for the most part, they're risky assets, but we need them to compete. For me, this is changing. Almost the same exact conversation that we had about quarterbacks is true of, of running backs. Zeke, Bell, and uh, and David Johnson are coming back to the pack, uh, whether it's because of injury or, or this off-field stuff or the potential off-field issues for Bell, what we've seen from him. And then we've seen all the rookies, or not all the rookies, I should not say, but uh, 
we've seen Fournette, we've seen Cook, Cook we've seen Hunt make the move up. I think those guys can all be viewed as top tier guys. Uh, we've seen Gordon and Freeman uh, continue to Gurley. and and Gurley all continue to play well. So I think your top running back tier is now probably eight or nine or ten deep, just exactly like we said about quarterback. <clears throat> so I'm feeling better about running backs than I than I have any time in the past uh, few years. Yeah, and if your second tier is Howard and Ajayi and guys like that that you're happy to start generally and are still pretty young, that's not so horrible either. And then there's the Mixons of the world and McCaffrey's who have a lot of ability, but we haven't seen it yet. And so I'm more and more comfortable with the running backs. And we had the conversation where the, the tiers between one and two are starting to kind of all blend together and turn into one big tier. However, you know, maybe at the end of the year we go, man, Le'Veon Bell and David John. If David Johnson comes back strong in November and December and those two are getting 30 touches a game like Lev's starting to get, they might separate yet again. And that's no fault of the people that joined the tier. Yeah, so I, I do think – Or even Z. Right. I do think the the approach to running backs has to has to be changing as the – as the running back choices across the league change. Uh, I, I feel a lot safer using an early round pick on one of these running backs than we're talk, that we're talking about than I did o- over the past couple of years. So if you're using a second round pick on, I don't know, on Devontae Freeman or Melvin Gordon, or maybe an early second rounder on, on Fournette or somebody like that, that feels a lot safer than it did last year using a second rounder on, on Ajayi or a couple of years ago using a second rounder on LaShawn McCoy or somebody that we knew was kind of on the back, back end of their career. So that- and think of the receivers too, I mean, that are in that conversation. Amari, A-Rob, um, Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Yeah. yeah, you know, someone just talked about Evans being down, which we didn't really believe in, but he might have a little less value than he did a year ago. You know, like, uh, if it's a rookie draft or a startup draft, I don't have a problem pulling the trigger real early on running backs now. Yeah. All right. Our last question comes from Evan, and this one is especially for you, Matt. What are some surprise backfields that you could see adding a new shiny running back in 2018? So we've talked about Saquon Barkley. Uh, the running back class of 2018 looks pretty strong again with Barkley, Darius Geis, Bryce Love from Stanford is just playing out of his mind. And a lot of depth after that. Nick Chubb, we've uh, talked about on here a lot. Uh, there's there's several guys beyond those players um, that could make this class of 2018 another deep one like we saw this past year. So who are some backfields that could add one of those players and, and really shake things up? All right, I'm going to go through 32 teams, super fast, rapid fire. Patriots, no. Jets, not in the first round, but maybe the second. Probably not. Miami, no. Buffalo, maybe. Buffalo could use an early pick there, and they have a lot of picks. Steelers, only if Bell leaves. Cincinnati, no. Cleveland, I keep thinking that's where Barkley's going to end up. Um, Baltimore, possibly, but Dixon still looms. Houston, doubtful. Tennessee, doubtful. Jacksonville, no. Indy, Maybe, but maybe Mac kind of convinces them. But yeah, I think they got to find a big guy. Denver, we already talked about. Oakland, 
possibly. Kansas City, no. San Diego, no. Dallas, no. Philly, yes. Washington, maybe. Giants, maybe, but have a lot of other needs. Saints, no. Falcons, no. Panthers, probably not. Bucks, probably not. Packers, doubtful. Vikings, no. Bears, no. Lions, possibly. Uh, No on the Rams. No on the Cardinals. Maybe in Seattle. Maybe in San Fran, but not in the first round. All right, so the teams I wrote down that you threw out as as maybes or yeses, Buffalo. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if this is McCoy's final year there. They have pretty much nothing behind him. I mean, Mike Tolbert is getting goal line carries there, so uh, they'll continue to retool that offense, and uh, I don't think it would shock anybody if both McCoy and Tyrod are gone next year. Uh, Cleveland, we've seen Duke Johnson play well, but we've seen Crowell struggle this year. Baltimore is just kind of that – Crowell's a free agent, too. Yeah, Baltimore kind of has that carousel of running backs. None of them stand out as as being a long-term answer. The Colts, uh, yeah, I I agree with you. Even if Mack is the real deal, I think they've got to add a a pounder. A big Yeah, a pounder there. Uh, Oakland, gosh, Marshawn Lynch is a bust, isn't he? I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. I think he might be all right tonight. Uh, we'll we'll see. I, uh, but kind of leaning that. Yeah. Way. Regardless of how you feel about him, he's he's not the long term there. We'll see if he. They could easily draft one high. Yeah. Like Geis could end up right. There. Uh, Washington. Yeah, it's Chris Thompson and and some some disappointing guys there. They'll add someone. Philadelphia has not been happy with their backfield rotation. Uh, the Lions, they've got they've got the names, right? They've got Amir Abdullah. They have Theo Riddick. Both have disappointed this year. Neither one are really – the, They'd be in the big back market. Right. Neither one are really usable in fantasy. Um, so, yeah, they, they could add somebody. Seattle, we've, we've talked about that several times. Right. We don't want any oh, yeah. of those guys. And San Francisco, uh, Hyde is expected to move on. And, and of course, that would impact – some of these other choices. If Hyde goes to one of these teams that we're we're talking about here, then that changes everything. If Le'Veon Bell goes to one of these teams, that changes everything, which would also, of course, put Pittsburgh on the list for probably drafting a running back. So, yeah, like if Hyde goes to Baltimore or Crowell to a lesser degree goes to one of those places, you know, that alleviates some things. Right. We we've talked about this class of 2014 so much. That just makes that's going to make free agency really fun this this off season. Oh yeah, and and making it even crazier is going to be all the quarterback movement. I mean, it's going to be an uncanny quarterback movement team. You know, so some of these teams we're looking at, we're going to totally change our frame of reference of oh, they just signed Kirk Cousins or not Teddy Bridgewater starter or you know like Washington better sign a running back because they have, they don't have a quarterback anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead too much, but. Uh, we we want to enjoy the season while we have it, but the off season is going to be another fun one for sure. Oh yeah. Well, thanks again for all of your questions. Uh, again, as always, we didn't quite get to all of them. We will try to answer those on Twitter, and we really appreciate that support and and sending those in. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.